Our sponsor today is none other than our Patreon members. You folks are bringing swords and HEMA to listeners worldwide, so thank you. To support our work and receive exclusive benefits, visit patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. Today we talk to Amelie Eilken, a game developer and HEMA instructor in Germany. We discuss HEMA training, women's study groups and game development. The episode was recorded on Instagram Live 17 January 2021. How's your week been? That's fine. Same, same as the last month as a thought, but okay. <laughs> so you are in Germany. Right. And um, what's the situation? Because here in the UK, we're in our, we're in our third lockdown, so we've been severely like kept at home at the moment. What's life like where you are? Kind of the same. So, um, like, no restaurants, no no sports. That's that's really bad. Our club has been closed for what feels like forever. I think this lockdown has been since November, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, it's same old, same old. Yes, we're all used to it now. <laughs> um, so, um, your club is it Hammerburg? Yes, yes. Yeah, so uh, Hammerburg is one of the oldest, probably one of the largest uh, organize, uh, HEMA organizations in Germany, isn't it? And um, is your, fo- uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is your focus Maya or is it Maya? I don't know how you pronounce it. Connection Can you hear me? Yeah, but just barely. Really. Oh, okay. Um, let me see. If and, it's, it's more the connection, so I have a, like a stutter in it. Oh, there's the a connection. there's a delay. Okay, sorry. Um, so, what I was asking was your uh, HEMA organization is Hammerborg, which is yes. one of the. When I started HEMA, that was one of the the main names I heard coming out of Germany. So, uh, to my mind, it's one of the the biggest organizations. And what's the focus of your study there? Um, I focus on Mugach and Meyer, mainly, well, we're doing mainly longsword in, in our, um, in our groups, in the one, in the two groups that I'm like an active partner on, one I'm a trainer in and the other one I train in. In mm-hmm. both groups are doing mainly Maya, mainly longsword, but we are looking into the other weapons in Maya as well. And also I'm doing a bit of Montante, which is, Unfortunately, Maya didn't do that. I don't know why he didn't think of that beforehand that I would need him to do Montante, but I'm kind of forced to go away from Maya for, for that one. But apart from that, it's Maya everything. Maya, Maya, 24-7. So he he does cover in his syllabus a lot of weapons, uh, but as you say, not the two-handed, not the greatsword, uh, the Montante. So right, I, I'm, right. I'm assuming you were drawn to that and you had to sort of say to him, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cheat on you, but just, just a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's, um, that Motanta, I bought it, I bought it a while ago. That was kind of like fate. I was at the joint mm. event and I was like, I don't have the money to buy a Montanta. I'm not buying anything. And then they had this one Montanta, which was perfect. And I was just like, I'm just gonna check whether you know it's it's perfect from size wise and I was like I want something that's going straight to my nose and I put it on the ground and the pommel was right here and I was like I'm sorry but that was fate <laughs> <laughs> so I came home with that Montanto well actually I didn't come home with the Montanto because then I bought it and then I figured I can't take it on the plane but um I had it like transferred to me like it stayed with somebody took it from um from a giant event to Munich and in Munich, I pick it up at the next event that at the sort of gathering anyways. But that was fate. And then I was like, so what do we do with this now? <laughs> Can't be Maya. <laughs> but I needed to have that sword. I mean, my, my I, I've got a, a Spadoni and it comes up to here on me. Um, 
I'm not very tall, as you can probably guess, but it, it is, it is, I know, actually, it's a little bit taller than me. Um, but when you said that you picked the thing up and then you were like, right, this is it, I have to have this thing now. That's exactly what happened to me. Uh, it's funny, I, like, when, when uh, you go to an event and there's a stool and there's weapons and you just pick one up and you're like, oh, what's this? And sometimes it's just holding the object in your hand, there's something clicks up here and it's like, this is it now. <laughs> this is this is my destiny, and that happened to me. I, I picked up a longsword at a fight camp. I picked up a VB uh, little feather, because in my mm -hmm. mind, longswords were heavy and big and unwieldy and not not for me. But this thing was light and nimble, and I was like, I made a sound. I picked it up and I just went, ooh, <laughs> and that was it. And uh, and I was hooked. I was like, I'm gonna have to do longsword now, and it was just that picking up the object that that set me on that on that route um so you you're an instructor at Hammerburg you mostly teach Maya but you also now dabble in Montante as well how or when and how did you discover HEMA wow that's been um close to seven years now Ooh. it was actually um it was spring of that year and I was like I had two res like as a, as a new year's resolution I was like I'm gonna try two new sports and I kind of thought it would be boxing and ballet but it wasn't and it one of them turned out to be sword fighting and it was actually my flatmate back then he was like you know you can do sword fighting as a martial arts and I was like no you can't he was like yeah and it's like 10 minutes walking distance I was like okay let's go and the moment I stepped into the hall I remember when I telling my best friend uh, a couple of days later when I met her that's my sport <laughs> you know there's just no doubt about it I don't know I, I went in there and I just knew it and you're like why was it I can't tell you because it's uh, like our hall was like nothing fancy like you know paint dropping off the walls and stuff so it's it's really it had this rundown feeling so it wasn't glamorous or anything but you came in there and you were like yeah yeah I'm gonna do this <laughs> so it's literally just 10 minutes from your house Back then, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was always the only one who's late. I don't know why. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I used to work in an office that was almost opposite my house. Um, and I was always the last one in. Always the last it's, one in. It's because you kind of, you know, you're like, I don't need a buffer. You know, I can, I can, I don't need a buffer. But then you realize you don't have a buffer. I mean, I remember times coming in there back then just be like to the trainer you know I actually don't have an excuse at all you know well, you know it was like this I just went left the house too late <laughs> it was just but at some point in time you know, I stopped asking so that was fine it was just, right. yeah yeah just <laughs> yeah you, you always think you've got enough time uh so I'm just going I forgot to grab my clock so I'm just gonna go off grab my clock and I'll be right back just so I can keep an eye on the time because it doesn't show up on my phone. Because at half past the hour, we are going to um, ask the folks at home if they would like to drop any questions for Amelie. So those of you who are viewing at home, if you'd like to ask Amelie or both of us anything about HEMA or game development and stuff like this, uh, please do just... Uh, if you look at the bottom of your screen, the, uh, the, the phone, there's a like a question mark in a in a speech bubble. If you just tap on that, type in your question, and then we can open them up later and, and read those out. So, uh, it was about 2014, you said, when you you when you found the club, Hammerburg. And uh, at what point? did you decide that you wanted to start instructing people on how to do swords? That's a good question. So um, I will have to look that up. I don't mean the day. I just mean like when, what, you know, what incident, what sort of stage were you at where you thought, oh, I'd like to teach this to someone? Um, did it? it was actually, I think just, not so much born out of I want to teach somebody, but it was more about born out of what I thought was a, like open open space. Like we had a need for something, and that was a women's mm. group. I was at an event, and I, you know, and I always 
so much enjoyed also actually first time around sparring with other women it's just mm. like we don't we didn't have a lot of women a lot of girls did not spar and then we also had to be kind of lucky to actually oh yeah you're here today which is great because i'm here today and then you barely ever got to actually exchange well get into an exchange okay yeah. and so i was at an event and i was like if i'm enjoying that that much probably the others would too and um i actually op- like ran and opened doors i was like you know i was thinking um maybe i could have a spot and they were like yes we were wondering when you were going to say that and i was like whoa okay <laughs> i was like i didn't even have to argue at all they were like yeah we were waiting for this <laughs> you can have this spot and actually i was i was um it, it went really really well from the beginning i was um uh, i mean it's not massive amounts of people but no none of our trainings is i mean we're talking about five six people but that's uh it's a cool group and um also what i really liked is a lot of the um of the other women who are in our club actually did join the group instantly even the even the ones that might not have been visiting training as regularly as they once did but they all rejoined we are all doing sparring nobody's like sitting out and be like oh no not today i don't feel like it no we're all we're all in there and um before corona hit they we are also um everybody was there very regularly which i think it's even more important than the mere numbers but if you're like okay we have the same six women or say five women or whatever every week that means it's working so your so. group that you were organizing this little uh, thing that you said i'm going to do this and everybody was like yes finally uh was yeah. that uh, just so i can try and discern what it is was it just a a, a, a sparring group for women uh yes it, it's a full training but it yeah. is it is like with the focus on sparring because i i told the others um there's uh, there's no like you can do technical training in every other group as well but especially for the inspiring part, I think it's it, it's helpful to mm-hmm. be amongst ourselves every now and then. I also encourage them to also visit the other trainings because if they're just visiting my training, they have two hours a week, which is yet which is a which is a good start. But the more the merrier. And mm-hmm. so a lot of them also do visit one or two additional trainings. So um, so it's a small women's training group with an emphasis on free play. Yes. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yes. Uh, and you found that just by putting that out there, you suddenly got people who weren't uh, as keen to attend the regular classes were signing up for that. Yeah, that's that was my impression, and especially um, rejoining sparring and free play, which is uh, which I think is great because it's such a fun and important part of the of the martial art, and then mm. um, not doing it anymore because of because you don't just maybe. You know, I don't really know the reasons because probably everybody has different reasons. In a lot of cases, maybe they just don't think it's as much fun, but it's a lot more fun when the techniques are actually working because your opponent is actually kind of on your level, strength yeah. and intensity wise and so on and so forth. And I'm not even, um, I don't want this to come across as in, you know, they're not, they're playing too rough with us or anything like that. That's not it. It's No, it's, it's not. I have only met like, they are trying everything, you know, at least in Hammerburg, I can tell, you know, everybody is very welcoming. They do want us there. They, they do want us to spar, but it's kind of like they, there's this extra level that you have to kind of, okay, where am I at? Um, if I'm not, if I'm too soft with her, she's mad at me because I'm treating her like a princess. If I'm a bit too hard, then she's mad at me because I'm too intense. And then, you know, it's, it's complicated for them, I think. Yeah, and it's natural just amongst ourselves. It's I don't, yeah, it, I mean, I think there's probably as many reasons as there are people for why yes. that happens, but and every because everybody's reasons are different. But when I when I started my all women and non-binary folks event, the feedback that I was getting from people when they were giving me um, reviews was that they enjoyed the space because they felt less it felt like a less judgmental space mm-hmm. so they felt less like people were watching them waiting you know like sometimes if you go to the gym 
and you're doing weights or whatever. There'll be someone, and it's usually a chap, who'll go, oh, you little lady, you need some help there. <laughs> someone, some helpful person with unsolicited yes. advice ready to tell you how to, how to do whatever it is you're doing better. And their heart might be in the right place and they might have good intentions. But the fact is it makes you feel uncomfortable and it makes yeah. you reluctant to return to that space again. Or even if you do go back there, you're going to be wary of someone's going to come over and start talking to you and telling you that maybe you should do it like this. So it's, it's that, yeah. it's that uh, freedom to just be yourself and not have unwanted attention. Uh, yeah not in a kind of someone's flirting with you even way it's just someone making a kind of a comment about whatever it is you're doing that just puts you off what whatever it, you know you're in the zone and someone makes a comment and it's like oh do I really want to do this now um that's my take on it anyway that's how I understand it um I think that's a big part because I, I always cause kind of a unicorn um feeling because you're you're somewhere and you're doing something and just because you stick out in, yeah in a, draw attention in a way because you're unusual right right yeah it's like people seem to want to interact with you and it might be it might be all nice and stuff but it's like everybody's doing this so yeah. um you know and i know yeah. the thing in the gym like i've never seen so much mansplaining as in the gym and in <laughs> i mean I, I regularly used to go with my brother to the gym because we, we actually shared a flat and then we were always hitting the gym together and he wasn't believing me at first until he noticed that kind of like as soon as he stepped out of the room, came back, somebody was explaining stuff to me and he, he looked at me at some point and was like, I wonder how I managed to lift those weights up because nobody is ever explaining anything to me. He was like, yeah, that must be really bad. <laughs> I mean, how, how do we know how to kind of, you know, work against gravity without people explaining us, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting thing that you pointed out, that phenomenon of being, like, if you are a person that doesn't look like everybody else that's there, you'll stick out to them and you will draw them in uh, for, for whatever reason. And, you know, maybe in the spirit of helpfulness, like, ah, oh, I've never seen you before, you must be new, I'll kind of come... I'll come over and tell you uh, what I think you should be doing right now. Uh, that kind of, yeah. that, that mansplaining attitude. Um, so um, the, as we've mentioned, the gym is another passion of yours. So the, the, the strength training. Um, were, was that something that you already were into or did you get into that to help your HEMA? Um, yeah, I was, I was asked a similar question when I was at the like national squad training camp and the disappointment in, 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 in her eyes when I told her, no, actually, that's just for looks, uh, was, was really big. But <laughs> honestly speaking, it's just for looks because, uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's an aesthetic <laughs> thing. It's an aesthetic thing, yes, I have to admit. Also, you, ha you have to kind of see that um, I'm, I mean, you, we obviously can't see each other, but I'm quite tall. Mm -hmm. And I'm already quite heftily built. Mm -hmm. So so I'm kind of already oversized oversized. I'm not you know, I'm like one one seventy nine. So I'm quite tall and quite strong. So if I wanted to kind of go in there with in with force, I could, but I don't really have that in me like that. You know, I don't use that anyway. So if I put on more more muscles. I'm not going to use those either so it's as boring as it is <laughs> not boring i mean you're the first person that i've interviewed who's admitted i do it because i like muscles and i want to have i want to be buff and that you know lots of lots of the people who do uh, like olympic weightlifting and stuff that i've that i've interviewed mm -hmm. have done it have taken it up to prevent injury um mm -hmm. and to just strengthen the, themselves at least that's what they're telling me maybe they just want to be buff and, and, and look good as well but uh, <laughs> one of the things that, that comes up um quite often uh, when i'm talking to women uh, and non-binary folks about about muscle is you often get these comments uh from people of, of all genders saying don't get too big don't get too muscular um and it's like if only, if only I could. <laughs> if only yeah, it was easy. Yeah. 
if only it was that easy to put on muscle. It's not uh, when you're born into a female body. Putting on muscle is, it takes a lot of effort. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not something to be apologetic about it. But, yeah, we do all want to be buff and fit, as Robin says. It's both, damn it, both. Buff and Actually, fit. <laughs> I, I wanted to say that earlier. I, I, I mainly do that, like, for the muscle, for the yeah. look. Yeah. But... I do enjoy that feeling of being fit yeah. when you have like most like when you have trainings where everybody is like already breaking down you're like let's go let's go because your body can just take it because you usually put it through things I mean it's um that is a great side effect and I would really miss that if that was gone so so you really you just enjoy working out basically it's something that you do for your own enjoyment most days but um, <laughs> obviously there's those days where you're like gravity is a bit harder today than it was yesterday let's just skip but don't skip <laughs> no excuses <laughs> i mean i i skip a lot of i skip a lot of fitness training i'll admit i go through sort of phases of bursts of, of it and i it's it's something that i need to get more disciplined with but i i struggle to enjoy it honestly i i've never been one to enjoy it something I, i'm not as disciplined with strength training as i am with hema hema is just like that's a mm. to me that's a that's a duty i can't not do it so even if um because other people are relying on me basically yeah. and um it's it's one of those things i think you find whether you're a student or whether you're in even if you're an instructor you can be in the kind of mindset of oh, i don't really feel like doing it today but then when you start you think actually maybe I can and then by the time you finished you're like I'm really glad I did that I feel great so it's one of those things that if that's why you know the discipline is great because the more you know sorry once you start it you're fine it's just getting started that is mm -hmm. the difficult bit um We've got another five minutes and then folks at home who are watching, you can uh, drop us a question uh, in this little speech bu button at the bottom of the screen there. Um, so, Emily, as I mentioned at the beginning, you are a game developer. Tell us about uh, yeah. that. I'm really keen to know more about this. Okay, um, so actually by now I also have a day job, but um, back, I, I used to do that also full-time and um, I did um, mobile games. Actually also um, we have a mobile app, it's not a game, but a mobile app on the Maya um, treaties. So we wow. have, a, because yeah, you can, you have like the sword part of it in it um, in a newly arranged way with like conceptual interpretations and so on and so forth. And you have all the luxuries that modern technology gives you like setting notes, setting bookmarks without, without scribbling into your books. You can use search functions and so on and so forth. It's not yet fully translated because we also do a full new translation into English because hmm. we want a translation. The foreign translation is great, but um, there's also already quite a lot of interpretation in it because it, it, he not only translated like one-to-one -one, but into modern English which is great because it's easy to read mm -hmm. and we want to also kind of provide a second uh, translation where we try to keep like the somewhat convoluted language that Maya uses nearly word by word and at least stick to the sentence structure and everything so you can be as close as uh, you can to the to the original even though it really is not as pleasant to read then as Meyer, like the, as the uh, foreign translation obviously is because it's modern English, it really reads well, but this one is really, really close to the original treatise. So also apps and um, yeah, we, well, you want to know, <laughs> you saw my post, I also did some, some motion capturing with yeah, that's what Longsword for, what was, the, what was the motion capture for? Th that, yeah, that actually came came across not from my own um, part. That came across to Jörn from the Maya class. He was asked to um, to do that, and he he motion captured several weapons for 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 a big upcoming game. And um, then they also needed a female character to do some of those weapons. And he was like, "Hey, I know somebody." <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so I was there. It was really really cool. 
had a lot of fun, did uh, three weapons, did longsword, did um, two-handed weapon, and did the dusak. And that was a lot of fun, just like motion capturing for one week and basic movements, I'd say. So very cool. So are you allowed to say what the game is? Actually, I am. Uh, I'm just not allowed to say any details, let's say, but it's from NXN, Rice. So NXN, it's a, from South Korea. It's a okay. company and the, um, the game is going to be called Rice. There's right. already some trailers, yes. Some trailers and so on are, um, out there, but yeah, looking cool. so forward to that. You're going <laughs> to look forward. You, do you play a lot of games yourself? I'm assuming that you do. Um, semi, I would say. So um, I actually do work quite a lot and then I do a lot of workouts. So um, there's a lot of time in my day. That's already a lot of other things, but probably over average my game. Yeah, more than average. <laughs> I w I'm probably safe to say that, yeah. <laughs> in, your, in your own time rather than the interest of work. Um, so... What are your thoughts? Because there's a few, there's been a few uh, games that have come out recently. I, I'm not a gamer myself. I'm very, I'm, mm -hmm. I know, I know some people who are game developers, and and uh, you know, the last time I, I really got into gaming was when the uh, was when the N64 came out. Um, so I, it's been a while. Um, but there's, been, I've just been sort of like watching games that people have been getting into. Um, things like. Um, mountain blade um and there's one that like an indie developed one recently on a very small level but it was really good that's been uh, doing the rounds i've seen on facebook is hellish quart have you seen that i'm really bad at names so i would actually have to see the graphics and so I would yeah tell I, i'll have to send you a link afterwards yeah. so there is two guys in poland i think who basically taken some reenactment friends of theirs and scanned them <laughs> into um in their gar and they in their garage in their garage and they've just scanned people into this two-player uh fencing game and it's set in the 17th century and there's a uh there's a woman with a long sword there's a there's a rapier guy there's a there's two different sabreurs so the two polish saber guys um and uh there's someone else can't remember who it is but there's all the, and they and they have uh it reminds me of uh the sort of two person fighter games that you used to get like um tekken i know it's like that yeah it's like hema tekken that kind of thing and it's great and they've got fantastic uh settings for all these games so it's it's lovely to see uh Hema having an influence on the gaming industry as well because mm -hmm. like for a long time people have been saying oh you know sword fighting in films and on tv it's not realistic and it should be more like this and and then people are starting to say that about gaming because I mean you got gaming can be uh very realistic and gaming can be very fantastical as well like you got you can do anything basically in a game can't you so it's interesting to see the, the influence that Hema is starting to have on uh, on gameplay as well. Um, would you yourself consider working on something similar? I mean, obviously I've had thoughts in that direction. Um, yeah. And I started to <clears throat> work on stuff like just on paper. Yeah. Um, problem I discovered pretty early on is that you can, you can do quite some of things, but most of the magic kind of, happens when you're in a bind and that's really hard to display in a like in a computer game because that's really sensitive to timing and there's a lot of influence like influencing factors like that are really really like subtle you know and mm. um i think it's great that there's more and more hema in there and you i mean you can do you can do a lot even if you're not getting down to the like really nitty-gritty of the binding situation and so on and so forth but um, I kind of like stopped at that actually, you know, I'm like, okay, if I would want to do that the way I w would want to do that, that would be like such a massive pro project that I'm not going to even touch it. Yeah. But uh, I do obviously love that, you know, there's more and more humor in those games and um, not just from the looks of it, but also from the like actual, you know, workings of things. Um, it also gives you, you know, it takes away that 
the death squirrel effect, you know, the death squirrel when you see a roadkill and you, you don't want to see it, but you can't look anywhere else. And it's, it's kind of that effect sometimes if you see movies or in a, in a game, something like, it's like totally open, just go right through the middle. And you know, when I start hitting like all over the place and you're like, but the center is open. Why don't you? Yeah. And it's that's the that's where back and you don't have that even if you're just getting a little bit closer to the to reality, you're like, okay, I can now watch this and imagine they're doing the right thing. But I don't want to sound too mean, but I do have that effect sometimes. And I yeah. watch like movies and I'm like, Yeah. Nobody would ever, ever, ever do that. You'd be dead by now. How can you be old and fight like that? Fema does take the magic out of things. Um, you know, once upon a time, like when when you think about the, when people come to join a HEMA club, they're like, "Oh, I love you know, like I love watching the spike scenes yes. from this." The and then they see the program. look on your face. You're like, and you're going, "That mm. <laughs> <laughs> <Dead> squirrel." <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it kind of kills the joy of it. Um, but I, you know, over time, I've I've learned to i mean I, I can't quite i can see the magic in fight scenes now um when i think of them that when i think of it from a storytelling perspective so i, I don't it's like any any professional watching a movie is gonna have they're not doing that right you know that's not how doors work that's not how electricity works. my dad was an electrician Mm -hmm. And like whenever you see like water and electricity and, and people getting electrocuted and stuff like that, he's like, that wouldn't happen. And just like, there's always going to be so, you know, it, the more you know about something, the more it kind yes. of kills that fantastical element of, of cinema. So you have to kind of mentally put that aside in order to, to enjoy the film or to enjoy the story. But um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean when you say the dead squirrel kind of thing. It's, like, it's, it's so terrible, but I can't not look at it. Um, yeah. Uh... And, and I think there's, there's like a middle ground. There is a lot of, there is fight scenes out there where I'm like, you know, you wouldn't do exact, you wouldn't exactly do it like that, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's, it's something that, you know, I can just imagine the yeah. rest. I, I'm, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief for this. Yes. <laughs> yes. But there are fight scenes where you're like, no, 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 no. Nobody <laughs> would ever do that. Which was really cool because when we had this motion capturing film, for example, some of them were asking me, like, what? And I was like, this, for example, I was explaining a situation as something that you would never do. And they were doing it. And I was like, why not? And just let them through and hit him on the back of the head. Obviously, I wasn't hitting them, but yeah. I was just like being around. And they were like, oh, I was all open. I was like, yeah, you were yeah. all open. And then it's like, ah, no, I understand it. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool, but, you know, if you're going to yeah. be, if you're going to do it properly, proper sword fighting is comparatively quite boring. It's conservative. The movements are smaller. Well, that's, for example, why I to think watch. Maya, you... To watch. But, for example, Maya, you do a lot. I mean, you do a lot. It's just, mm. it's, you know, there's there might be schools which are more like, which could be used better for uh, for for movies and stuff than others. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, Maya does a lot of really big movements because yeah. his attitude is kind of like, look at me over here, me over here. Look at how I own the stage, and you don't know which one is actually coming. Yeah. And so you have a lot of movement. Which, on the other hand, for example, if you take a binding situation, that can be very small and subtle, obviously. Yeah. That's not fancy to watch because like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Yeah. Why did he now win the bind? Because you need to know what's going on to you. You know, you need a commentator on the side being like, and now we can see, yes, he managed to put his strength onto his feet. Yeah, nah, nah. We have a counter here. You know, you would need that yeah. to understand it. But there's other, you know, you can do a lot of, or you can do a lot of like sword wrestling stuff, which is also really neat. You have those you know, moments that you could zoom in and have a meaningful conversation while by, you know, I can see that. Yeah. Of course, I'm not a movie maker, so maybe I'm wrong, but. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see uh, it's move into, into gaming. Um, oh, we got a question. Just, I'm just going to say a comment that my friend Robin said. Uh, she said, talking about your women's uh, group. She said, it sounds lovely and I wish we had a similar 
women's group locally well robin i think once once uh, we're all back to normal we, we should probably look into that i think we should do something like that like a regular meetup for the ladies and also um, if I may, may jump in there, yeah. um, I, I do know some clubs here in Germany where maybe they don't have somebody who could who could actually be an instructor in, in such a training, but they still have like regular, start with one monthly thing. And yeah. as long as it's more like we want to do mainly sparring and want to do mainly this or that, just pick some seasoned uh, female fencer of, of a group and say, okay, it's not a regular training because you might not be there yet for to be instructor, but you can have a monthly or bi-weekly or whatever meetup yeah. and use our hall. So you don't need to start with like weekly and you have a trainer and everything. So yeah, I know a lot um, of groups who do that. Uh, my interviewee last Sunday, um, Brittany in, in uh, Arizona, she, she started doing the same. So she runs a HEMA club and they have a monthly women's uh, training session. And she said it fills up very quickly. It's, there's a lot of interest in it. Uh, Robin says it was on the cards, but 2020 put that on pause. Yeah, <laughs> similar story, but it's something to think about. It's something that we can, uh, that we can work on. Uh, we've got two questions coming for you now, Emily. Let's just see what they say. Both from Terry the Viking. Uh, first one. What's your favourite Maya play slash move? <laughs> oh, that's a nice one. Um, it probably that probably changes every week. Um, <laughs> but um, one thing, for example, that I really like is is he does he does do quite a lot of wrestling. I mean, he does do a lot of like big stuff, but he also does a lot like in a closer distance. And one that I find particularly fancy, but haven't really tried out and sparring it because of the gloves and stuff, is you catch the opponent's uh, blade on with a trehaw, and then you go through with your left hand towards the opponent's throat, which I think Ooh. is so fancy and which I really want to see in some movies. So if anybody's watching this, no, you you parry with the sword and then you go through with your hand and you, with or you can also un. Okay. And then you go for the oh with the off hand. With the off hand and the, uh, the the leading hand is still holding the sword and you can go either through to the throat or the you throat. can go through and try to disarm. Oh, oh just grab this. From here and go yeah. here. But I like the throat thingy better. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not sparring relevant, but I just thought it's just such a neat, a great idea. And you can also think about how that came to be. What can I do now? Oh, awesome. Look at that. Say, you know? <laughs> I, I was just yeah. thinking, like the grab, grab the face or the throat thing. It won't really work in a modern setting because everyone wears gorgets and you can't grab them by the throat. Yes. But in his day, you just grab their beard, surely. <laughs> yeah. If it's a tournament setting and it's about you know kind of like or a facial kind of about like honor and show that you win, probably. The fight yeah, is kind of over when you when you demonstrate you're you're like here. I've got him. Yeah. Maybe you don't do that because probably he will be mad at you Maybe forever. Maybe then he'll want to deal with you the next day. You pulled my beard, yes. dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another question uh, from Terry. Uh, favorite pet peeve slash misconception about sword fighting and or game development. So what? pet peeves do you have in HEMA or game development? A pet peeve is a common belief that isn't, or a common so it's our heavy. concept that isn't actually true. Like, uh, then mine know. would be swords are heavy. Swords are heavy, yeah. Yes, because they always wield them like that's, that's like sledgehammers. Yeah. And at the same time, they're like short. They always, they always have like, often have like swords two-handed like long swords we would say and they're like the size of a uh the size of a of a short sword but they wield them like they're sledgehammers and also yeah. we get that a lot when people come into the club first time oh aren't they heavy we're like no no sorry no. to disappoint but <laughs> they're not i mean metal like that even if you sometimes you even read like discussions on that and you're like just just check 
the density that that material would have if something that big could be that heavy. I mean, mm. it doesn't work out. So that would be my my biggest one. But in 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 Hema, that the swords are heavy. I think if you look at if you look at gaming, the swords are ridiculously big and they're not heavy enough, surely. So like right, you're right. In 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 the, uh, have gaming, like these tiny obviously. skinny little waif like uh, anime ladies with these enormous cloudbuster type swords, and it's like well, they're not heavy enough. <laughs> you're right. I never thought of that. So it's uh, let's let's just put it more more generally. The misconception about the weight of things. Yeah, like, people have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was also when we when we moving like um, thinking about the the Albert stuff. Yeah. Um. Also, when we were filming that, like for the for the channel, it's that has a weight, and we only have we have ones with like plastic waist up though, but they also have metal ones. Mm -hmm. And even Jan was saying like, well, that that one's heavy. Like when that is moving, that is moving. And there's move, there's like uh, techniques in the Maya book when you're like, well, that's kind of a one-off. That's not like a, I'm not just threatening you, but because if that weight on like a staff, on the end of a staff, is moving towards the ground, and that is moving towards the ground, like then you realize how heavy those things are. I mean, long swords and stuff. I think they're pretty handle, easy to handle. But mm -hmm. if you got go into like halberds or stuff, they shockingly heavy. At least they feel shockingly heavy because all the weight is at the tip. Yeah, um, we did a we did a, uh, a class over just over a year ago. Uh, it was well, no, it's nearly two years ago now. It was on um, on polax, and the polaxes that we had are like rubber heads, and you know when you're when you've got a, when you've got a a steel versus a nylon sword you can say okay the steel sword's going to hit harder maybe because of the of the material uh, and from a sort of safety point of view it doesn't matter what the pole weapon is made of it's on a huge pole but when it mm -hmm. hits you it's going to cause damage so it's kind of uh you know it doesn't you know, it's it's really hard to mitigate the damage when you've got something as vast and heavy as that. I mean, the whole point of it is that it's heavy; it's going to cause crushing yeah. damage. Um, um, that also, I got to say, for my jump, just jump in there is something we don't we don't spar with. We don't. We just we kind of do the techniques and stuff. But yeah, that is. It's not. It's maybe i'm not saying it's not possible maybe it is but it's it's certainly difficult to have a safe sparring with that kind of weapon because they are meant to be top heavy they are meant to be heavy mm. they are meant to do damage yeah. i mean of course the sword does too but it's it's a different way it's easier yeah. to stop it's for internal it's damage yeah just a yeah. concussion and, and all the nasty stuff uh if anyone else has got any more questions for Amelie, please do drop them in the questions box at the bottom of the screen. It could be about HEMA, it could be about weightlifting, it could be about teaching, it could be about getting more women in your club, it could be about gaming, anything you like. Um, so going back to Maya and his vast syllabus, uh, his vast array of things, except for Montante. Uh, Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite? What is your favorite weapon? Ah, no, uh, I had a story again. Um, <laughs> still the longsword, I guess, but yeah. um, it's kind of like uh, we've done mainly longsword for a really long time, and it yeah. still is my favorite. It has so much variety, so much everything, but um, also it's kind of nice to do new things. So um, starting like doing more dusak doing the halberd is really was really fun in the summer i mean we can't really our hall is not that big so we can't do halberd in the in the winter times but in the summer times that was really fun so um i would still but i would still go with the with the long sword because um to me actually for example the halberd is something you have you have great movements but you're you're lacking that that finest in like in the binding situation and so on. It ha doesn't have it, it. To me, it feels like it doesn't have as much variety. Plus, as I said, we can't spar. Yeah. Dusak again is great, um, but 
No, actually, no, but probably just a bit long, short more, but Dusak is pretty cool, too. Dusak is cool. Do you ever do uh, the rapier? Actually, just as like on workshops, on events, yes, but we haven't really looked into it ourselves yet. So we did, I did just, if there's a rapier workshop, especially one uh, for, for Maya or like or more beginner level, because uh, I feel like rapiers are uh, like, um, how do I say this? Uh, they are very experienced often already because they uh, there's a lot of people who do that kind of full-time, just like mm -hmm. a lot of people do kind of full-time long shorts. So usually I'm like peeking in first at, at workshops and, uh, and events because often it's very sophisticated stuff already. But if there's a beginner workshop or something like Maya and uh, Rapier, I'm in, but mm -hmm. we haven't looked into it uh, at home. Because, yeah, I think... I think Maya Rapier, Rapier is like an interesting kind of bridge between you got Longsword, Dusak, Rapier, and then maybe Rapier uh, for someone who wants to go down that route. It would be an interesting one because I've, I've only done like one Maya Rapier uh, class ever and it was very similar to, to my experience to, to Bolognese side sword it was okay. almost indistinguishable yeah. uh it, there were other other there were different concepts in it that i hadn't come across which were really useful but the the principles were pretty much the same the weapons very mm -hmm. very similar i mean it's it's also if you i mean you have like um meyer repairs here which are kind of side swords more of like they look more like a side sword and they wield themselves more like one and you're at one of those workshops and you suddenly you realize, okay, yeah, these techniques were done for this kind of weapon. Whereas mm -hmm. the other, like maybe your opponent's kind of weapon will more for, for example, stabbing you, which would mm -hmm. probably be very effective, but you can tell like that there's, that the evolution is not yet finished. At Maya times, the evolution of the rapier wasn't yet done. Mm -hmm. At least that's my perception of it. And so you can tell it's kind of an early model. Yeah. Oh no, all my rests are hating me for saying that, but he <laughs> did use an early model for. <laughs> do you like is is your is your branch of Hammerborg, do you ever look at the early longsword sources or are you only focused on the Maya era? Um actually I like the, the trainings at Hammerborg are um a lot of them have like their their favorite treatises that they look at, like right. on um, and my okay, my training is called my class hammer work women. So I obviously do more of the Maya stuff. Uh, the other training I visit is the Maya class, which also does Maya, but there's also two classes that uh, mainly cover Lichtenauer traditions, uh, different sources, and well, actually, I can't really tell you about the last training because it seems to be whatever whatever treatise just looks more most fancy at that time is what they do because they do like cover a lot of things really really cool so they have like also all sorts of weapons so um yes we do have classes on the older um on the older fancy masters but um yeah is that not I've something that you've done much or do you just focus on the no actually the stuff? first the first years, uh, the first, I think, two years was mainly Lichtenauer traditions, different okay. books. And then we uh, discovered Maya for, for ourselves and decided we're going to do Maya now. So um, I actually come from traditional uh, longsword stuff. The early KDF stuff. Um, now, I, I, I was uh, spying on your Instagram account earlier and I saw that you've done some recording um for some classes have you been teaching online um teaching online no but uh the, the recording for the class was for the for the drain event because they obviously oh. had to cancel this year yes. yes and they um they actually asked around uh to like they i was asked to to submit a workshop and obviously was happy to do so uh, it's such a shame that even those like big ones, they were lucky last year because they were like before the crisis hit us. 
but this year they don't they will not get spared because spared because it's going to be like in two weeks it would like the event would have been yeah and so I, I think it's a great idea that they're still doing it just online i've had to postpone mine again i think this is the third time maybe the fourth time i've had to postpone my event uh it was going to be in march 2020 and then it was going to be in october 2020 and then it was going to be in march 2021 and now i'm pushing it forward into the summer mm. um so i've had to do the same um and it's uh it's a real shame uh but it's great that um drone event are doing basically it sounds like they're doing an online event although the class is uh that's, online i think that's a try uh that's the like aim i'm looking forward to this because they're usually they really they are really fun and they're really mm. clever about like bringing that across um, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be uh, first uh, weekend February. So, awesome. and I think it's it's really cool that they kind of anticipated early enough that okay, this is not going to work. Let's already plan something else because for the She Masters, for example, which is like a ladies' event in Berlin, we also just had to cancel that because um, I mean, when we when we planned it, we were already telling everybody, please make sure that your hotels are, you know, you, that you can refund, get refunds and stuff because we have to have a look at whether that's going to work. If, if that would have been in November, uh -huh. but and we briefly talked about can we do something like else, something online, uh -huh. but that's a whole different way of planning. So and you can't just switch over from one to the other. So if no. you. And, and I think it's great that they kind of already anticipated that when they started planning and they were like, it's probably not going to work. Let's just go for the online version and mm. get that done. Because yeah. as I said, I think it's not possible to just switch from one to the other. At least for us, it wasn't it. Something I'm, I'm thinking about for my event when it eventually happens is making it a semi-online event mm -hmm. so that because I, I, a lot of time, even before coronavirus, I'd, I'd be speaking to folks all over the world and they'd be like, I really wish I could go, but it's too far away. So it would be nice if we could maybe put some of the classes on Zoom and people could join in or we could record the classes so that people can uh, take part somehow. Um, mm -hmm. Or even if like if we get to the point where we can't get all the instructors in because of flight restrictions they can zoom their classes into the event we could have like a big um projector and just project the, the instructor onto the wall and, and have the class that way um and you like something that happens at conventions that doesn't happen at HEMA events I think should happen more is stuff like this so you have panels of people and that's something mm -hmm. that I've done um at my event is having a panel so you get all the instructors, you sit them in front of uh, all the attendees and people can ask the panel a question. Um, and it's a, it's a really fun thing. It's just like it's just like having a Facebook discussion, but it's in real life. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant because you can actually finally like talk to people about all these really interesting things that, that come up a lot in discussion online. It's lovely to do it in person. Mm. Um, there's a question here from Krieger Armory. Emily, did you ever practice non-HEMA martial arts before beginning HEMA? No. No. That was easy. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're plain low. I, I was thinking about studying MMA, but afterwards, but beforehand, I'm like, I was totally untouched. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't do any martial arts before before HEMA. I didn't do any sport before HEMA. I was the kid who always had a note to get out of class. So, no. Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> I didn't like physical education. So it's uh, it's uh, humor is humor is the best way to get nerds fit. I think. Um, <laughs> give them a sword and suddenly they want to run around and break a sweat. So that was an easy one. Like neither of us have ever done anything other than humor. Uh, lots of people come into humor from other martial arts. Lots of people come into humor yes. from. Uh, Asian martial arts or uh, fencing or reenactment but I hadn't done any of those things so it just completely caught me by surprise um, we've got five minutes left if anyone's got any questions for Amelie uh, please do just drop them in the question box at the bottom or just type them in the comments that's fine we'll, we'll try and sift them out um, 
and we'll try and quickly get those in before the five minutes is up. Um, just to warn you, Emily, sometimes um, Instagram does just chop us off. So uh, I'll try and avoid that from happening. Um, and I'll take this opportunity to announce my guest next Sunday is Michaela Dorlando from Italy. So, yes, <laughs> she's very cool, lovely lady. Um, so we'll be chatting to Michaela next week. Tune in for that. All of these interviews are then going to be in a couple of weeks uploaded uh, to the podcast. So uh, there is a podcast out now. Uh, the one that came out tonight is with Kirsten Meredith, USA. And um, every, every day I'm releasing a new podcast and every Sunday I'm recording a different interview with someone. Um, what are your plans, Emily, quickly, for 2021, if you have any, your training, uh, training plans? I was about to say, meet people in real life. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what are my training plans? Um, yeah. I kind of feel that 2021 is still a hard year to plan. I mean, there's yeah. kind of hopes of what can your, happen. Your I hopes, really... yeah, that's better. What are your hopes for 2021? Okay, my hopes would be that, um, that there's again events that we can really participate in and also that we can organize so i would really love to see the she monsters and the ladies we get up this this year again and also all the other events i mean usually i'm i'm at some form of a hema event probably every other weekend and now it's like a year of nothing so i am yeah. looking forward to those and um actually just pick up where i left so i don't have any like big unique plans for this year i would really love to just pick up where we left it and, yeah um, so you're you what, what's the focus of your study at the moment um i'm, I'm like theory wise a lot into the like translation for the navigatum app to translate the maya uh longsword part into into english Ooh. and um yeah that's that's actually um that's something you can do in your home and otherwise it's it's still it's right now a lot of sparring with the long sword well right now it's not but it was when we when we left off um because i do feel that my technique uh repertoire is a lot bigger than what i used in sparring like a lot bigger mm -hmm. i know that that holds for everybody but still it's like okay it's time to you know get some more of that into sparring ready state yep. So, have you got anyone that you can train with at the moment? I could train with Bjorn. I don't know if you know him. He's like 195. He's like six foot five or something. And like a tall that. German and guy like, called Bjorn. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like Who could that be? I'm not sure. <laughs> Doesn't really narrow it okay. down. <laughs> I probably do know him. Uh, it's he, like it's just like hmm? sorry, go on. Uh, we could, in theory, yeah. uh, train together. I mean, I would have to check whether we're even allowed to go into the hall. It's really cold outside. Mm -hmm. But actually, it's we don't really, even though we could probably. But um, it's it's not the same. Mm -hmm. I'm at the you moment. You want to run trainings right now, right? You run trainings. No, did, didn't you? Didn't you write? You do one-on-one -on -one trainings. I do. Yeah, I do, I do. I do. I. I on the current regulations, I'm a, I'm permitted to meet one person per day, outside of my mm. household. So I'm training, I'm training one person every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, mm. I do one to ones, but I'm also teaching online at the moment, which is fun and something that I've just dived into. Uh, something I've resisted for a long time, but uh, and now I'm doing it. I'm linking, I'm thinking, why did I put this off? This isn't. It, actually teaching what online one-to-one -one isn't any different from teaching one-to-one -one in person it's just you can't touch you don't have that you can't feel the mm -hmm. bind <laughs> yeah so yeah that's the only but, real significant difference i think but um, we had that actually in re like real life training as well because in germany for most of the summer we were allowed to train but we were only allowed if we were outside and had yeah. a minimum distance so we have a lot of people who actually started in that part and everything already looked really well and then we were allowed back into sparring and i'm like 
why are you so open? And then I realized, yeah, because it already looks, everything looks really well what you're doing because you're, you know, perfectly imitating and you're, you're doing the right thing, but you've never actually faced somebody else with a sword and realized, mm. okay, like, for example, they were doing the technique and I'm like, but you're all open. And then I realized, yeah, because you've never had that before because they, they're doing the moves and they know the names and everything is right. And then you're suddenly faced with another person and you're like, oh, okay, no, this is game for two suddenly. <laughs> yes. And they've been there like months. Yeah. It's, it's, I really admire the, the determination of folks who have... We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To show your appreciation, please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform or support our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Go to at swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net to learn about our events or visit our Facebook page, By the Sword. Thank you.